0: My finals picks would have to be Dallas and Miami. And uh, champion wise, man, um, I'm gonna go with Dallas. I just think it's oh. just too much offense. I think, I think it's just too much offense for the Heat to handle there to make it there. opulent
1: inventory our proud partners here on the show from iphones to macbooks to apple tv to apple watches to trade-ins and much more now you can have the apple product of your dreams visit opulent inventory on opulentinventory.com and on instagram my guy nash and guardy are the very best in the game to provide you the apple product of your dreams now let's get back to the show Down your Jones, down your Jones. Can't beat me, man. I'm in the zone, in the zone. Michael Phelps with them flows, they're like waves, and you know, and I get them out fast. I'm you staying on them tracks, like Jordan the Payton. Don't talk all that trash. Nah. Ain't on my level, relax. Bro, just pull up them stats, let my game show the facts. Know that you can never pass it, so you cause another egg and lex serena I'm it. It's my planet, it's my planet. on my space, you won't be jamming. Don't put me in the box. Keep on winning, I no, don't stop. Think you got an easy lane? I'm the Kembe with the blood, that's all you got. Yeah. I'm on another level. yeah I'm on another level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. On another level, yeah. Like ASAP, I'm on a new level. Okay. <laughs> know that you can... Welcome, 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 guys, to the 70 Podcast Radio Show. Live and streaming here inside of our T- WNSC radios here in Orlando. Myself, my ride partner, Michael Gray, Tri State Michael Gray. Uh, My Rod partner back at it again. I know he's feeling the good weather that they got up there in the tri-state area. A pleasure to guys have you guys back with us. This is season four, episode 13 of our great show. We're doing something a little bit unconventional today. Typically, we have our guests on segment two of our show, but we wanted to start off today with a bang and what about a weekend that we saw and we have none other then the host of Full Court Press, my rock main man,
0: Donnie Brown with us today. Don, it's a pleasure to have you on. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. It's my honor, you know. Um, I, I what a weekend. That's all I gotta say for the playoffs. Like, that was an amazing, <laughs> amazing, amazing day yesterday. So I mean, I definitely get it soon. I appreciate you having me here. Peace, brother. No doubt, no doubt about it. You're doing some great things out there on
1: YouTube. I know you you started this journey. Um and and, and I've seen the progression. And also the growth on you, so nothing but love for you, my guy. We gotta catch up on it for sure. There, yes, there. So let's let's get right to it, right? This is probably one of the greatest uh, weekends that we've ever seen from a basketball standpoint. Um, a historic, a very historic weekend. Two game sevens that lived up to the moments, or probably didn't mm-hmm. live up to the moments. But let's start off with the Eastern Conference, Don. And mm-hmm. I know you got a lot to say, so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and go and let you go on a rant. I'm gonna let you <laughs> vent, but let's talk about what happened in the TD Garden game seven, Milwaukee and Boston against Tatum. Um, what did you see that you didn't like, and didn't like?
0: So just just going from both teams, uh, let's just start with let's just start with the winners because that's what matters the most with Boston. What I like is that. Basically, Tatum backed up every single thing that he's been saying from the beginning of the year till now, like verbatim to the T. Um, I I didn't, and, I, and it's, I'm just keeping it honest with you, I don't really pay attention to the Celtics because I feel like they're a team that's just so extremely talented, but they always fall short. I'm like, I just feel like I'm not going to give them that attention until I see something. And I'm like, now that I've seen it, you know, against the nets, I'm like, oh hell no, like they're finally coming about, you know. But that was just one series. But let me see if they can um, replicate, you know, that 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 success. And now that I've seen it against Milwaukee, I'm 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 convinced, you know, that everything Tatum was saying was correct, you know. But just overall, the growth of them as a team, as well as him as an individual player, like T- Tatum is deadly now. He is deadly. And it's so sad that he's, like he was saying in a lot of these interviews, that he's not in these MVP conversations, you know, because a lot of these people we consider MVPs and superstars, you know, he's just, he's destroying them on a nightly basis, if not matching that type of production, you know, but, you know, just, you know, aside from him, just everyone as a whole playing together, you know, the camaraderie, everyone just, you know, one page and having a brand new coach, you know, doing this is is ridiculously amazing, you know? So kudos and shout-outs to them for the progression that they've made and backing up all the talk that they've been talking. I said they've been talking trash, but just, like, their perspective of who they are, just, you know, fitting that image, you know? You know, kudos to them. The one thing I do want to see them definitely improve on is the the consistency from from three. I know the three-point shot's not like a, you know, Typically consistent, thing. the only team in history that's really kind of like proving it is the Warriors. And you know, before that, maybe the Magic for a couple of good years. But um, I've noticed that's the main reason why the series went on as long as it did. Because when they were cold, that's when the Bucks were able to close in that gap and, you know, win maybe by like a small margin, you know. But when they go cold, it really, like, it really hurts them because they're a team I've, I've noticed that literally it's just, just going to pull it, whether they're hot or cold, no matter what. And that can be their Achilles heel against a disciplined team like the Heat. You know, because the Heat aren't the Bucks. You know, they they are as far as, like, defense is concerned, but it's a little bit more disciplined. So what I want to see from them is, like, if the three is not working, let's adjust to something else because they may not be so fortunate to to get that to win the next series and, you know, go on to the finals. But um, but swinging back to the Bucks now, um, one thing I did like about them is that, you know, they're not really an excuse-making team. They did their best, <laughs> make a long story short. It's not too much good, I can't say it. I, I just can say that they fought very well. You know, they didn't go out like some other you know, teams that win championships that weren't able to repeat. They went out swinging, you know. But um, it's just a laundry list of things that they do need to work on. For, for the most part, I was extremely disappointed they let go of P.J. Tucker. That was a core part of their defense and their, and their team identity. That's number one. Number two, they didn't really add outside scoring. They, I feel like they lost it, but they didn't really add any outside scoring to help them. So, essentially, they just leaned on Giannis more when Middleton went middle out. You know, the scoring came from nowhere, especially when you have Drew Holiday, who's technically a, def- a defensive person, shooting like 20 shots a game and you know, only averaging about you know less than 40%. It, it really really hurt them. So, I was extremely disappointed and more so the personnel, not so much their play, but like, you know, the the management not helping their personnel out, you know. But um yeah, that's pretty much for what I had to say about both of them, you know, but kudos once again to the Bucks. They did try, but it just the better team won, long story short. Go ahead, Mike. Your thoughts about what we saw in game 7 and
1: maybe what, you know, coach Budenholzer didn't do? maybe adjust to that drop coverage. What was your thought?
2: Coach Budenhoser made one of the biggest mistakes there that he could have made all series, and it was not trusting the core principles of the system defensively. He allowed the team. He basically said from the start of the game, we're going to play four on five. We're going to leave Grant Williams open. Usually when you do that to an NBA caliber player, it it, it works if they're missing shots. However, there there is a recipe for that player to pick up rhythm and catch fire as the game goes on. You saw Grant Williams missing shots early. But as you saw as you saw the game go on, he continues to get open shots. He is an NBA player at the end of the day. You saw mm-hmm. those shots start to uh, knock down and him start to get more involved within the game and get more um, more versatile within his offensive prowess, not just standing in the three-point line. So I, I do believe Budenholzer made the mistake of trying to play four and five early, and he allowed Grant Williams to get hot. In that uh, uh, closer, uh, more so in that second half, but uh, uh, he just went away from his defensive identity. This is this is a rough, rugged, physical defensive series, and um, if he would have played straight up and continued to uh, play that same uh, uh, formula that he had throughout the rest of the series, I do believe he would have had a better chance in Game One. However, they had no chance because they couldn't put the ball in the hole, like Donnie said. It, it was it was a, it was a pathetic performance offensively from the Milwaukee Bucks. And a lot of it had to do with the Middleton injury, but a lot of it also had to do with playing through Giannis, uh, playing bully ball and thinking that that's going to be the dom- domino factor to defeat Jason Tatum and this Boston Celtics team. And it was not the case. So Buda Hose dropped the forward ball defensively and uh, injuries definitely got in the way of the Milwaukee Bucks this year, uh, giving, them, giving them a chance to, to, to defeat the Boston Celtics uh, from the outside. So, uh, hats off to the Celtics. They were the stronger team, the more resilient team, the healthier team, um, and their uh, their their stars outplayed the outplayed the Buck stars. And, and to me,
1: I, I I saw that the Milwaukee Bucks, this this series, the laws really showed you that they missed Chris Middleton in this series. Yeah. That's a guy that literally could have won you at one game and maybe one and a half game, right? And let Giannis do the rest. Um I, we we can't really blame Giannis, and I had question marks. I kept, everybody kept saying he's the best in the world, best player in the world. Well, I I, I see why now. <laughs> I, I see Why this guy's the first player in NBA history to score two hundred points, hundred rebounds, and fifty assists in a series. That this guy took second best player that wasn't there. He took the Milwaukee Bucks to Game Seven. Like the the guy is literally, you know, he is. Sh- in a guard's body like it, it's it's insane what he how dominant he is but again I, I just think with, with with Budenholzer, you know it wasn't working that drop coverage wasn't working oh. Al Horford to pick Frank Williams to pick and pop now you get Peyton Pritchard open looks off the bench and he gets cooking smart is Smart who's not known as a three-point shooter you gotta be able to switch that and I just think that Grayson Allen and, and Pat Connington let them down because seriously, they're the they're three-point shooters. So yeah. I, I think to me that Middleton, they, they missed his scoring, but also defensively they missed a guy that can also guard Brown and Tatum, who's a legit six 6'8 wing because mm-hmm. you're Grayson Allen guarding them. You're getting guys like Pat Connington coming in. They're getting cooked. So uh, you saw the value of Chris Middleton
2: lost. series. Yep. Yeah, you definitely did. You you saw yeah. you saw that, you saw that value heavy man. Usually big big time. And uh, hats off, like you, like 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 uh, like you said. Hats off to the Bucks. They definitely fought hard, and uh, they definitely showed the heart of a champion. Um, you know, uh, it, it was it was tough. It was tough for them down the stretch, but they didn't make it easier for themselves with certain uh, you know mishaps as far as coverages and stuff like that. So, but hats off to the Celtics, man. Like I said, they were the stronger team. Their strength and conditioning coach really. Um, Really earned his money this this season because this team is resilient. Uh, they were able to w- withstand the wear and tear, relentless pressure of a team like the Bucks through a seven game series and still come out swinging. Hats off to this uh, Celtics team and the, and the, their their ability to, to to run through a brick wall of the there. Now I want to bring this
1: back to you, Don. Obviously, mm-hmm. you expect Chris Middleton to come back next year. You know, obviously they they've lost this series, so they got to go back to the but. Um, if you're front office for Milwaukee, what what is some needs that they need to address, right, coming in this offseason to get back to championship aspirations? We do think that the Bucks will be there next year. But
0: what do they need to add? What do they need to get rid of in your in your What they need to get rid of is Middleton immediately. I've uh, when, they, well, when they won last year, I was like, oh, they're fortunate. I'm just not a fan of Chris Middleton's game. I feel like for the price tag, more specifically, let me take a step back. For the price tag that they have on him, he's not worth that. You know, he's he's just not. Giannis is an inside scorer. He's developed, and I feel like the main reason he's developing an outside scoring shot is to compensate for those extra points that Milton should be giving. You know, he's averaged 20 points a game, you know, a season this season, but, you know, we know it's not a consistent 20 points a game. A lot of that, a big bulk of their scoring comes from Giannis. And we already seen what happens with inside scoring players like Westbrook or Blake, you know, whoever. That takes a wear and tear. That's going to take a toll. He's already a two time MVP. He's already played like at a full caliber. MVP level for going on almost half a decade now, how long can that really last? So what pieces do I need to surround him with so that way I can get max value out of my star? And how do I get that max value? I would have to, you know, I would have to give up Middleton because he's not a good enough complimentary piece for um, Giannis. And that's primarily because, you know, it's like Mike was saying, I didn't really get that outside scoring from Pat consistently. I didn't really get that from Grayson Allen consistently. I definitely didn't get it from Drew Holiday. So all my guards are kind of coming up short when it comes to outside scoring, and when I see my opponents now, at least the top four in the East, everyone can drain it from three. Even when you got someone like Joel Embiid now, who's shooting better three than some guards, that's a problem, you know? And what if I face the Bucks again? That's an even bigger problem. So I need outside scoring if my inside player is, you know, only an inside player. So what I'd like to see them improve upon is get rid of Middleton because he's not worth that cost, as well as develop a stronger bet there. I don't who is their six man like who is their dependable Jamal Crawford who is their you know Lou Williams that they can depend on Mm -hmm. who is that type of person they don't have that you know so I would definitely say that they would have to get rid of Middleton and develop that bench much better so that way the strain isn't put on you know Giannis your
2: thoughts Michael with this, uh, that that that's an interesting take. With this, with this whole situation, if they were to get rid of somebody like a Middleton, you know, you hear you hearing these speculations right now going on about Damian Lillard potentially coming to the Bucks. Is that is that even reality in your eyes, or is that all media smoke? That's complete media smoke. that, that ain't fair. <laughs> yeah, that that that's, like, Yeah, that's like, Do, do well, the, for, the Bucks do the Bucks have a package even realistic to even get that I, get but, that done?
1: Realistically, if you were to get Lillard, you would have to give up Middleton and Drew Holiday. And Jeez, I don't, both, that's too much. Both,
2: those
1: are two Ooh. great. Those are two great defenders for a oh, guy. No. That's a liability on defense.
2: Oh no, I can't give up both. I, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not gonna lie to you. If I'm the Bucks, I have to keep Drew. Yeah. That perimeter defense that he gives you. Yeah, man, I have to keep Drew. Yeah, but I but so, I love Chris too
1: and knowing how you know the market is in today's nba they're gonna they're gonna ask for the price tag for daniel oh
2: yeah yeah
1: definitely there for sure i, I want to get back to boston here obviously you know guys i bleed green i think <laughs> <laughs> oh. saved our season and that game six that was one of the best games i've ever seen him play that might have been the greatest game i've seen in his entire career he he was he was not to be denied looking in and looking forward to Miami, what, what are you guys looking at? What, what are some X factors? What are some things that you think that Miami can exploit? What are some things that Boston can exploit Uh, looking ahead to this conference finals preview? To me,
2: to me, Boston, Boston has an advantage inside to, to some degree outside of bam out of bio. I don't see anybody else who can dominate the boards or offensively or defensively and help him down there in the paint. Um, to to come, to compete with Robert Williams Al Horford, um, even Tatum who's been down there getting big time rebounds and stuff like that. So I just think the Celtics size wise and length wise uh, are going to have an advantage on the boards. But I, and I also do feel like they have an advantage in this regard as well. And I want to get your perspective on this, Donnie. So the the, I... the, the Celtics the, the Celtics to me did that matchup they just had that seven game grueling series they just had with the Bucks. To me that that gets them that gets them uh, much better prepared for a matchup with the Miami Heat going going up against going up against this Heat team. Now, I know this Heat team is battle-tested, but when you just came off a seven-game series physical, as physical as that was, I just feel like that gives you a slight advantage knowing all that you're already motivated that this is a bubble rematch from two years ago. What do you think about that, Don?
0: So, I do agree with that. You know, as we know in all sports, confidence can make you feel like you can just jump over the moon. Ooh. So, I think, like, with the Celtics going in, like – I mean, you, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Like, if I'm Jason Tatum, you know, Jalen Brown, and I'm all those guys in locker room, if I'm the coach, I'm telling them, like, guys, you just went against one of the greatest shooters of all time, one of the best ISO guards of all time, and you broomstick them out the, out the gym. Mm-hmm. When they had home court advantage, you, you just went against the defending champions, and you were supposed to lose game six. You were supposed mm-hmm. to lose, and you had your star player pretty much only miss one shot in the fourth and carry you back home and seal the deal. Mm-hmm. Who are you afraid of? Who is left? Yeah. Who is left? Yeah, You know? Yeah. They've beaten legends. Kevin Durant in round one. Literally. Halt- the greatest ISO yeah. players at the small forward and point guard position. No disrespect to AI now and all those other guys, but these are the- this is the greatest small forward that's the- a shooter other than Larry and the greatest ISO guard that there is. You just kick them out. You just beat a very disciplined, well-structured Bucs team. Middleton or not, honestly, probably would have gone to game seven. Middleton or not, to be honest with you, it still could have gone either way. But you just beat defending champions convincingly convincing yes. definitely definitely there for sure you know definitely. so walking in, walking in that locker room I would tell them you're on cloud nine I would think you have all the advantages in the world to beat the heat you know really and truly the only concern that I have with them is that th- that confidence can turn to overconfidence and overconfidence turns into mistakes yeah, You know, so that as well as fatigue, because Miami's been hanging out for a good little while. They haven't really been playing anybody that's been tough. Like you're saying, they haven't really been battle-tested. Who are the Hawks? You know, and plus they were missing Clint Capella for half that series. James Harden was invisible, you know, half the series. They just had to play Joel, you know. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the Heat have cruised by in the entire playoffs. So they're well-rested and they're mm-hmm. ready to go. This would be their first challenge. Yeah. You know? I, I, I think um, another question I would have for you is I, I think – it's
1: a slight advantage, but I think it's a key advantage. I think the Miami Heat has the the coaching advantage, and we know Eric Coach Spo mm-hmm. have a mm-hmm. game plan that he's gonna he's gonna adjust. He's not gonna be like Budenoser and and make <laughs> that Coach Bud did. So Bo is is arguably up there as one of the greatest coaches ever. He he's he's a champion. He knows how to make in game adjustments. He knows how to be strategic defensively. So. I think Miami will have something to throw at Boston. So, uh, talk about that and, and your thoughts on that.
0: So, sure. I think I, I think that um, you, you basically could see the words in my mouth. That was the you know the point I was going to bring up. the the big, the two largest advantages that I have you know even just just thinking about it that the Heat have over the Celtics is experience. I mean, I know Bam and those other guys aren't, but Jimmy is, you know, PJ is, you know, Kyle Lowry definitely is. So, all their leaders. They've been battle-tested. They've seen the LeBrons. They've seen these different types of scenarios being down in series or up in series, being at different um, points inside the playoffs. They've seen it. And we already know Spoles' top 75 coach of all time, you know, namely top 10, you know. He's seen it all, too, as well, as well as Pat Riley. They have too much information and too much wisdom to go off of to lose. And they've already proven how disciplined they could be throughout the season as far as missing almost six players at a time. Six of their top scorers are always in and out, in and out, in and out, and they still win. They had somebody that they picked up off a D-League team, like Strauss, if I'm not mistaken. They became a D-League star, and they signed. He dropped, what, 20 to 30 uh, in a game ceiling game against the Sixers? Like, they they are extremely disciplined and a well-oiled machine, and they just have too many brains in that front office to lose. So if the Celtics do lose, it will just be from youth to experience. That's that's pretty much it. Hmm. I got
2: I like I, I, I like the, the advantage on, on that coaching side as well. I really do. I, I really do. But I do believe Al Horford can be a key piece in this series on both sides of the ball. It's something about the way he's playing right now, his ability to stretch the floor from the three-point line and and defend, defend at a high level, whether it's uh, uh, on the perimeter or help side in the paint, you name it. I, I feel like, to me, Al Horford is a big-time, uh, impact player in this series, and um, the, the battle between him and Bam uh, back and forth is going to be—it's going to be special. Oh
1: yeah! Oh yeah! Definitely, definitely there for sure. Could you believe that? Thirty-six-year-old uh, Al Horford is still doing it at a high level. We, we got- <laughs>
2: that plant-based diet is something special. Really. <laughs>
1: it, it- Folks, don't go anywhere because Donnie's going to come right back with us right here for our second segment on the show. We're going to switch to the Western Conference and we're going to talk about what happens to the Suns, and then maybe a new star is born in the NBA. The Seven Podcast Radio from yeah. WNS. And we are back here on Segby Podcast Radio Streaming here on WNS Radio in 18 different platforms worldwide. As usual, promo code podcast gets you 20% off on any Apple items. That's from i Mac to iPhones to MacBooks to trade ins and much more. Our friends opulent inventory can get you the Apple product of your dreams. We're back here on segment two with my right man, Donnie, with us today from the Four Court Press. Before we get to Luka Doncic, let's talk about what happened, a catastrophe in Phoenix. Can you explain to me, Donnie, what happened last night? The Phoenix Suns, in a series where, you know, they were expected to win this series, and perhaps maybe five or six, let it get to game seven, four games in the regular season, Chris Paul being at helm as the catalyst, Devin Booker as his sidekick, and DeAndre Ayton as well. And they they they, they fell to a 23-year-old Slovenian that is just – might be the face of the NBA right in front of our eyes. We keep saying the future. We keep saying the future. He might just be present. So what happened last night in
0: the palace? Well, what we saw last night was just a perfect marriage between good coaching, a good or well, a great game plan, and execution. When all three go together, it's like a work of art. And that's literally what it was. It was, it was never close ever at any point in time. You know, uh, what the, what the Suns, well, let's take a step back. What, the, what Dallas did very well was recognize a mistake and adjust. The Suns' mistake was they didn't adjust to that counter. The Suns all season and primarily toward the end of the season heavily were running a Spain pick and roll set, which would have their bigs come up to the top of the key. And basically the point guard would get their man screened and then the help defender would get screened again. And they would just run that in and out, in and out. And sometimes they'll modify it, where sometimes they'll have the wings come up for a spot up three, which would be McCall Bridges in this case. So you'll have Devin Booker run that. You'll have Chris Paul run that. If they're on the court at the same time. They'll just flip flop back and forth. And they would do that over and over and over and never changed it. Jason Kidd keyed in on this and realized this was something that was killing them and made the adjustment. He forced them to pretty much be trapped every time they would run into these picks, which would make them feel clustered and uncomfortable, which wouldn't leave Luka Doncic on an island. After this adjustment and doing it a little bit further, game after game after game, you would see the winning margin get larger and larger and larger. You know, And Monty Williams, as great as a coach he is, he could not figure out a way to respond to this. And you know the results showed. You know when the team executed, it was it was masterful. It was just work of art. So, kudos to kid for recognizing that and making those adjustments. But
2: what was your take on it? Okay. Yeah, what well, well, my my take my take on it was um, Luka Donka just coming. Uh, the Phoenix Suns had no answer because they were um, they were overwhelmed by the relentless pressure, the the relentless shot making of the Dallas Mavericks early and often, um, and they had no answer. They, they had no answer to fight it um that's that's the biggest takeaway I had from it. They had the the Phoenix Suns had the worst game of their season in game seven of the 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 biggest game of the, of the season. Yeah. and a, a lot of it one of the another one of the biggest takeaways I have from it is this is a, a prime example why a majority of teams in the league could care less about having the best record in the regular season because okay. at the end of the day that means nothing. We saw it with the 2016 Warriors. we saw it with the Utah Jazz over in recent memory the last couple of years. Yep. It, it means nothing at the end of the day because you, you get to a point where you get gassed out. You hit you hit a certain gear, and you and when once playoff times comes comes around, you don't have another gear to go to. So the Phoenix Suns ran into that situation. They almost look gassed in a sense, um, yeah. but like they had a, they didn't have another gear to go to. And we saw the best version of them in the regular season, and uh, they ran into a brother in Luka Dukakis and a team that had some yeah, where he had some heavy backup in Spencer Dinwiddie and uh, Jalen Brunson and some of the other players. And uh, it was it was that it was the the, the 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 complete opposite. You saw a team with all the pressure in the world get tight, and you saw mm-hmm. a team with no pressure um, playing playing free with house money, knocking down shots all over the place.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely there for sure. In previous uh, episodes on our show, uh, Donnie Mike has compared Luca to James Harden. Well, I've said I think he's closer to Magic or Bird. He's got a blend of two. He can pass like Magic, but that boy can really shoot it like Bird. And, and I, I think that it's, it's, it's crazy because you realize, how, how do you guard that? Because he's so cerebral as a 23-year-old kid that if he sees a big and he sees a switch, he, he's going to eat you alive. But if mm-hmm. he's a smaller guy on him, you know what I'm saying? He's going to take you right on the thing. And kind of like what LeBron did in Miami when they lost that finals to Dallas, you know, I, Pat Riley challenged him to play more in the post. Now, Luca's doing that. And now he's eating bridges a and, lot. And, and he's eating now, you know, Chris Paul, who's a smaller guy in Booker. So you realize, how he's, he's doing all these things at eight, three. And how are you gonna stop? And, I, you know, a, Phoenix was a very, very good. They were top five and they had no answer for it. So yep. how good is this kid? Because I think Golden State, may have their hands tied on as well because you got to answer who, who's going to guard them that
0: that's that's a really good question nobody their prayers like, like that they they don't have it. this is a nightmare for, for you know, golden state my stepson is a, a golden state fan and he was even saying how uncomfortable he's, he is with this series because either team can take them off the board but is just even worse because it's a massive nightmare you know, who is who is the, their small forward that can guard him? Andrew Wiggins? Like, has Andrew Wiggins been known to, to even, not even just a superstar small forward, but has he been known to be able to stop a all-star small forward? You know, and that comparison, that you're saying that Mike made to James Harden with Luca. I think that is very accurate. I think at any moment in the game, Luca, if he wants to get 20 assists a game, he can. I mean, has he done that already, if I'm not mistaken? At least 15-plus multiple times, you know, with his eyes closed? Yep. You see him laughing on the court when he's playing. He's laughing. Like, this is comedy to him, you know? He, Yeah. Yeah, this is. And when I'm saying laughing, I'm watching games against LeBron James, the greatest player alive, aside from Jordan. He's doing these things to him on the court, laughing, running back and forth, not even breaking a sweat, you know. So to see him pretty much exerting maybe half effort and putting up these ridiculous numbers and being just this efficient is insane, you know, and especially for someone of his age. And now and like you were saying, now that he added a low post game. What is there to do? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know a weakness in his game at this point. I said the only thing statistically you can do to stop him is just make him shoot extremely contested threes. But he's six nine, so it's like what can you really do about it if you put a guard on him? You know, he's he's essentially a matchup nightmare. And the real real dangerous thing to it is. Now you have Jalen Brunson, who's going off and is extremely confident. He's averaging 20 games. He clearly showed he can carry a team for a certain amount of games in a series like he did, you know, in the last series against the Jazz. When you have those weapons you have to worry about, it makes it easier for Luka now to be even deadlier. So I don't see a weakness in his game, especially with the personnel he has around him. Yeah, he's he's pretty much unstoppable at this point. The only person that can stop him is himself. Yeah, I would be there as well. I, I think with a guy like that, you got to use the, the Steph treatment. You got to go at him on defense. That's- That's the only way
1: to wear him down and the only way to slow down. Mike, I want to bring this to you. Is it far-fetched or disrespectful to say going into this uh, Golden State Series, Luca might be the best player? We know as great as Steph is, he's he's, he's an all-time great, one of the eight players to ever change the game because of the shooting. Is it disrespectful to say Luca might be the best player in the series and he might be able to single-handedly get this done?
2: Uh, it's not far. It's not, it's, it's it's not far fetched. It's part of it. It's part of his greatness. The fact that we're even having a conversation about him, uh, d- potentially beating this stacked Warrior squad, as him being the lone superstar on the team, is is part of his greatness. So I don't believe it's far fetched. I do. I do welcome it. I do love it. I do want to hear more of it because all it's gonna do is motivate Stephen Curry to remind people who he is and what he's about. So I do want the, I do want the best version of both of them going head to head and putting on that show together. So all the Luca hype that we get, bring it, keep bringing it for the next few days because Steph Curry's watching, Klay Thompson's watching, and they got jewelry on their side. So and I love I I just want to see the best competition going back and forth. So yeah, I love it. I do I do I do not think it's that far fetched because Luca to me is in that tier with the top players in the league, but um. It would be a a, 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 a a it would be it would be definitely an uh, a ultimate feat. I tell you that, especially with the stacked warrior squad. No doubt. Go ahead, Don. Um, you know,
0: <clears throat> a few days ago I probably would have said it's extremely disrespectful and crazy, but uh, now that I give it thought, no, not not at all. I think the the largest reason, the two top top two reasons why Luca would definitely be able to have the right to say that, and others would have the right to say that about him, is primarily just because you know what he's shown that he can do so deep into the postseason as well as the matchup that he has against him. He doesn't have that great of a defender as a small forward, you know, to to check him essentially. And Golden State's not going to double team and, you know, leave his cast open now that they've shown that they have confidence to step it up too as well. And then, you know, circling back to Steph Curry, this is not the same stuff that we've seen. Points per game, yes, maybe so, sure. But efficient-wise, eh, not so much. You know, he's shooting 36% from three. Like him and Clay have turned into volume shooters. They're no longer as they're no longer deadly. I'm being very honest. They're volume shooters. And the key reason for that is, you know, Jordan Poole. You know, Jordan Poole shining now is kind of they're they're adjusting to their game late into the season, which is causing Steph to, you know, have a, an inefficient game, in my opinion, you know. But as far as like if he was put in a situation where he had to put the Warriors on his back. And carry him over that hump. I do not think, in any way, shape, or form, that he can do that against this Dallas team going in with this much confidence, and as well as playing with this justified confidence. So no, there's no way that you know they would they would stand a chance against a hot Luca, you know. So yeah, I mean, Steph might have to take a back seat to Luca this time. Yeah.
1: Um, let's let's talk about Luca right before we pick our Western Conference and The X's and O's on that. Side. When you look at what he just did against a 64 win team, that is Phoenix. It, it, how? Where do you rank that? You know, Jordan said that he had to put 15 pounds to the bad boy Pistons because they used to beat him up, and then he 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 figured out a way to beat them. LeBron James at age 22 went to the finals in the Palace of Auburn. I remember what he did against the Pistons to close them out 48 to get his first finals. What Luca is kind of in that greatness. A tier where he's he's been lo- losing game sevens losing the game sevens and now he finally got over that hump. in. And- where do you rank rank that kind of great historic performance
0: that he just displayed uh i would definitely say it is most definitely up there um as far as ranking it i would put it slightly behind lebron only because there's just so much history that those teams have had, you know, like the Pistons being dominant for so long. And that was a hump that, you know, LeBron was trying to get over beating them and then, you know, moving on to the Celtics. And, you know, same thing with Jordan. Like the Pistons, they were just beating everybody up. And it was just a hump that he had to get over. I don't believe Luca had a hump to get over. I think in general, just getting, getting to the Western Conference Finals, that was his hump. But, you know, from him being injured and coming back to playing like this, I do definitely think that is definitely up there because not many players can do that, come back and be – even better than they were before, you know, they were hurt, you know, and then the team catching along and not missing a beat. So I do rank that up there. I just place those just because there's a little more history behind, you know, the Pistons, well, both generations of the Pistons when it came to LeBron and and Jordan. But, you know, I do believe after this series, then if he does win it, especially in a convincing fashion, oh, yeah, this would have to shift to number one because I've never seen someone clean up, you know, three series in a row play this efficient so yeah i would definitely move this up there if he's able to seal the deal and take them to the finals yeah
1: definitely mike i'm gonna start off with you x's and o's x-factor how do you see the western conference going out golden state where we thought that they wasn't gonna get home court they'd have to play phoenix now that the narrative has changed they'll get home court game one in the chase center luca red hot with his dad that is, (laughs) they're unconscious from the three-point line. How do you see things playing
2: out? Uh, To me, the X factor is Kavon Looney. I mean, he's coming off a game where he just had 22, 21, 22 rebounds, I believe, in game six to close out the deal. This is going to be a game that's won on rebounds. With all these three-point shots that are going to go up in this series, all the second-chance opportunities that are going to come off, offensive rebounds are going to be key. Defensive rebounds are going to be key. And to me, Kavon Looney, for the Warriors, is one of the biggest X factors um in this series your, your thoughts don
0: um my x factor i would say for dallas would be dorian finney smith you know i mm-hmm. i don't know why but he's just i just like his game you know coming off the bench he's not a too. He, he's not like he, he's he's a gritty type player that wants <laughs> it no matter what you want you know 15 points he's like i got it for you You want me to guard the best guy i got it. he's one of those whatever guys. And as you guys seen with the Bucks when they had P.J., you know, you need players like that that are just willing to go after it, however they want, you know, and even Jay Crowder at one point. So sure. I think he's definitely the X factor. If he can maintain – because, you know, the Warriors want to score. So if he can maintain at least, you know, 15 or at least 12-plus points a game and still be efficient in three from three when they need to be, I don't see how, you know, the Mavericks don't stand a chance. So he would definitely be my X factor. Hmm. Yeah. Do, 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 do the
1: Mavericks have the chance to pull this off? Well, what Absolutely. That we got the chance to pull it off. I, we, I believe Duke is the best player in this series. Yeah. But of course, Golden State's the better team. They've, they've been there, done that. They've got jewelry, like Mike says. They've got banners to show. So mm-hmm. you know, Dallas can't be intimidated looking up. So can, can, can the Mavericks go and, and win this series?
0: I think it will be extremely hard. I firmly believe it's going to go to game seven um, primarily because uh, they're going to realize the matchup that they have with Luka and they're going to shift Draymond on it. So there's going to be plenty of times where Draymond and Wigan are, Wiggins are going to be double teaming, you know, Luka. And we've already seen with Jason Kidd throughout the entire season, whenever they put a good wing on Luka, that tends to slow him down at the point, And even like to the point he can't even get assists, he likes to pick and roll him off. Jason is the best one of the best point guards in NBA history, so he's not stupid. If he sees that his ball handling guard is struggling, he's going to set up sets, he's going to come up with plays and run it the entire time where he's going to take your best defender and shift your worst defender on him. You know, so if they can maintain that, like getting Draymond off of Luka, I see no reason why they can, you know, 4 2, you know, the Warriors. But if not, and Draymond is is able to stay on top of Luka, this will go a long seven games. And depending on his cast, it would be a very rough seven games.
2: Yeah, to me, yeah, to me, um, yeah, the Mavs definitely have an opportunity to win this series. You don't get to the Western Conference Finals, once you get to this point, you definitely have a chance to win, uh, no matter who you're going against, uh, especially to the way this team is playing. Um, the best, the best chance to me that the Mavs have to win the series is winning it in six, because of that home game being in Dallas. If Correct. it goes, if it goes seven, to me, that gives a huge advantage to the to the Warriors uh, in that moment. Uh, but I will. I will say this: uh, that that game that game six is going to be the kicker in this series because I do feel like it's going to it's going to go that far, uh, based on how competitive it's going to be. And um, that game six could could very much decide the series. And I do I do but I, but I do believe they have a chance. Absolutely, they're going to compete hard, and it's going to they're going to come tooth and nail. It's going to come down to who's going to be able to close out close out certain games uh, that need to be won. And can they steal can they steal a game or two? In Golden State and uh and hold surge at home, they definitely have a shot. And and somebody has
1: a reputation about game sixes. I don't know if you guys know. This. Yeah, I'm seeing Pete putting up six. Like <laughs> he has a reputation of always <laughs> showing up in game sixes in his career. So that be a great series. Uh Quickly, fellas, before we we we'll end today's uh pod, let's pick our our finals picks and our a champ. I'm gonna start off. Yes, on – what is your picks?
0: Uh, my finals picks would have to be Dallas and Miami. And uh, champion-wise, man, um, I'm going to go with Dallas. I just think it's just oh. too much offense. I think it's just too much offense for the Heat to handle if they were to make it there.
1: just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show and frankly even some of our other episodes as well if you want to show your appreciation for the show ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our itunes and spotify and remember you can stay locked in here and connected sebypodcast.info link for the latest news articles interviews and much more and remember wherever you're listening on air or online the Seby podcast is wherever you go